This episode was recorded on June 6th, 2021. Our topic for today, Ingenico. Let's go to our news of the week. So, Johnny, there's one major news story, and that is uh, if you're in Nigeria right now, federal prosecutors have every ability to arrest you for using Twitter because Twitter has been banned in Nigeria. They censored one of President Buhari's tweets, and let me actually find what that tweet was. Yes, uh, in Buhari's deleted tweet, he suggested he would punish secessionists. Many of those misbehaving today are too young to be aware of the destruction and loss of lives that occurred during the Bahaifra war. Those of us in the fields for 30 months who went through the war will treat them in the language they understand. So this is in context is this, there was the SARS protest uh, last year, right? Uh, SARS is this uh, police unit that was kind of given this carte blanche to investigate whatever they wanted and run however they wanted. and. Uh, last year, they just they went too far. There were some recordings. I don't remember the exact details, uh, and of, that led to the, the young folks feeling that they were unjustly being prosecuted by these police. That these police were above the law, and that led to massive protests across Nigeria. So I think, even though I think things have calmed down, it, that conversation has been happening, and I believe that his tweet was a response to some of this conversation and this protest that they've been happening. Twitter is always the, because of the public nature of tweets, Twitter is always going to be the company that's at the forefront of getting banned. So I think Egypt's banned it temporarily during the Arab Spring. No. Uh, I believe the, I be, Iran has permanently banned it. China well, for different reasons, it. different reasons. Yeah, In that all case, for different people. The, right. Yes. Yeah. Well, the U, uh, what was about to say, the UK, uh, well, no, well, similar. No, no, I'd say similar reasons. They'll ban it because the, the reasons government will use it is the is the incitement of violence or something counter-establishment. Counter-establishment counter to the safety of the people under government. That would have been one thing, but this is literally in reaction to the president's tweets being deleted, right? Versus in the, in the Egypt case, right? People were using it to communicate and share images of what was going on in the ground. But let me ask you this. Uh, every, everyone's complaining, obviously, you know, Twitter is where the global world communicates in the way. Um, what is the opportunity here? We're always about opportunity in this podcast. What is the opportunity oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for someone uh, to create uh, the Nigerian uh, Twitter? Yeah, yeah, someone, Twitter? Someone's going to create the Nigerian Twitter uh, out of right. this or the Nigerian social media company. It's, it's, and, then, and then we'll see this behavior and then we'll see them put the screws on Facebook. We'll see them put the screws on Google. We'll see them do everything that China and India are starting to do. This shows you the blurriness of the internet, though, right? So if Twitter had an office and... An, well, no, no, they, I think they, this, this shows you... This shows you the one-sidedness of the internet. The internet was invented well, in America. America put its beliefs into the internet. The rest of the world does not necessarily have those beliefs. Right. It's like, so what did Twitter, word Twitter, a la Jack Dorsey just say, talking about access to a free internet. There's no access to free speech in the vat in the, in the, not the vast majority, but a whole bunch of companies, uh, companies, countries in this world. And access to free internet is expected to be a quote unquote human right. Free speech is not a human right in most of this world. So do you see this being resolved or what do you think is the next step? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, eventually Twitter will get back 
into Nigeria. Uh, this will this will boil over because the replacement product isn't there yet. Yeah, it's like China can only kick Google and Facebook and all of them out once there were replacement products. Right. Or else there's too much incentive for your for your people to try to figure out a way to get these products otherwise. That's true. That's true. All right, Johnny, let's get to our main event of the show. So, Johnny, today we're going to be talking about Ingenica. So, Johnny, what is Ingenica and is it successful? Ingenico is a payment service provider. It was founded in 1980 by Jean-Jacques Poutrel and Michel Marcoutre. How come you pronounce the French names correctly? Come on, I spent enough time. It's like you can't pronounce the Canadian names, the English names, the, what's it called? The the any names, but the French names, you you got down. They took me in at a younger age. I had time Uh to get adapted to their pronunciations. Uh Uh-huh. But with that, it is headquartered in Bizon, France, which is a suburb of Paris. Uh, it is successful, to answer your question. Uh, it had revenues of 2.6 billion euros, euros in 2018, and that grew to 3.37, uh, 3.37 billion in uh, 2019. Right. Now, granted, it did take a hit with the pandemic. It did. Because it did. in 2020, it went back down to $2.87 billion. Uh-uh. Yes. So interesting thing about this company, and go along the lines of us saying that, hey, in Europe, everything is older. So Ingenico itself was founded in the 1980s. Its parent company, Worldline, was founded in the 1970s. Worldline was founded as a subsidiary of Credit Lyonnais, a bank which was founded in the 1800s. Uh, and... Uh, what's it called Johnny? You're gonna to have to help me with pronunciation. But Credit Leonis itself was acquired by its former rival, Credit Argucor or Argricor, uh, or Argricole. Yeah, there we go. Argricole. There we go. Which was one of the first banks that successfully established itself in France. Oh my gosh. It was founded in 1860 as well, uh, what I was about to say. And it was founded because, at the time, French farmers were struggling to obtain long-term, reasonably priced credit. So, again, in Europe, everything is older. Uh, We're not talking about spring chickens, but if we go back all the way up through the history of the ownership of this company, it goes back to the 1800s. We will eventually run into a company, I'm sure, that's a subsidiary of the East India Company. It's an inevitable when we're dealing with finance. Yep. Yep. All right. But yes, as we say, it's quite successful. It competes. So on the, in the Western hemisphere, we probably have not seen too much of Ingenico because in the Western hemisphere, the biggest payments processor slash physical POS service provider is Verify, uh, which is actually headquartered over here in San Jose. <laughs> and for a bit of context, Ingenico serves 170 countries in the world. Verifone serves somewhere around 150. These are 2017 numbers. And Ingenico only has about 10% of its transactions in North America, whereas, whereas Verifone has 35%. On the flip side, Ingenico will have 22% versus 13% uh, of Asia and Middle East, and 7% versus 14% against Verifone in terms of South America. So they have their fields of dominance, but then they have their large competitive areas of Europe and Africa. 
in which Ingenco has 34% of all of its transactions uh, coming from that region. Verifone has 39% of all its transactions. We'll note that Verifone's about a billion dollars less of revenue uh, than Ingenico in any given year. So the percentages are not that uh, perspective of market share. They're more of just market share within its own company. Yeah. So collectively, they process uh, 80% of all credit card of all card machine payments in the world. So they are the two, the 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 two, uh, the two giants in the room that everyone's gunning for. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, jo- so Johnny, these guys are successful. They're a payment service system or they're a point of sale service system. Now let's ask the question, are they rich tech or are they poor tech? All right. So right. for our rich tech, poor tech analysis, we will go down the avenues of looking at their industry, looking at their incremental user value and looking at their incremental societal value. For a company this old, I always think it's interesting because what may have been true at one point in its history may not be true today. So let's start with industry, Johnny. So Johnny, what industry is Ingenico in? I believe we identified payment processing as its own uh, space within the fintech industry. Point of sales as well. I mean, these guys are the point of sales service. Yes. Uh, but they also have the electronic payment. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Yes, that's right. Uh, that, the e-payments, uh, online. Yes. They're, they're much less successful. I believe Ingenical has 0.24% of transactions online right now. So point of sale is, uh, you know, when you go to the store and they have that little machine where you swipe your card or put in your card, put in your, your number and pay uh, for your goods or the services that you're purchasing. It is a facilitator. Uh, I'd be inclined to say it is a rich industry. If I'd also be inclined payments, to say it's a rich industry, but I wouldn't be inclined to say it's ultra rich. Ah, okay. Why is it not ultra rich, Michael? Well, because I think if we look at it, so yes, definitely point of sale. If we if we look at it from the perspective of does what does it do? It takes a cut of transactions. <clears throat> Sorry, it takes a cut of transactions and it generates revenue. Okay, yeah cross that barrier for rich. So I'm not going to argue on the rich side. However, I feel that this industry has become so commoditized that it as itself is not as rich as it used to be. If this was the 1970s and they're a monopoly, basically, or a duopoly, sure, yeah, of course. In 2020, when you know any, any Dick and Jane startup can come in and build the system, I'm not sure how rich it is because that barrier of entry is decreased and their access to this wealth is decreased and the overall pool of wealth is not growing. Yes, I can see that. Um, and I think this, this speaks to several different factors that, that that's coming into play. One is, of course, the rise of mobile phones, right? Everyone's carrying around a mobile phone now. Um, that has led to the, rate, to, to the rise. That combined with the rise of companies like Square, right, which were founded which was founded in 2009. So even 10 years ago, this idea was not quite novel. 15 years ago, maybe it might be more novel, right? But with everyone carrying around their, their, their cell phones and then with services like M-Pesa being allowing me to pay you directly, right? We don't need yes. a middle person. Right? I have a digital wallet. Specifically. Yep, exactly. I have a digital wallet. You have a digital wallet. I can send you money. We can trade um, for services and goods right, and products. Um, there's that. I think the other one that's tied to this is, as, and as we saw in you know parts of Africa that we covered, parts of South America that we've covered, 
these countries and these these areas are able to jumpstart and get ahead because again the rise of mobile phones right so let's say and if, let's let's take a look at quickly the other side of it which is okay it's doing e-payments which we certainly do think is currently still a rich industry but it's such a small portion of that industry right now no there's no sign of great success that uh, or guaranteed success like they've had in the dominance of credit card and uh, point of sale services Yes, I, you know, looking through their blog, through their website, doing some research, I, I still, yeah, I got the impression that the, the, the online payments is there, but it's still not as large as it could be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it may not, never be. Definitely not as large. It yeah, may never but be as the, large. I was going to say, if you look at the e-payment services now, uh, they are larger revenue and larger market cap companies because they're considered growth. These guys don't get to be in that. So they they can't acquire those e-payment services because you create a Square, you create a Shopify, you create these systems and they're all of a sudden much more valuable than your entire company. So exactly. because I think it's major area or major service is limited in its growth, let's say. I don't think it's shrinking. I think people still accept credit cards and still accept payment services. We're having yeah, it's not going to go away peer to peer. No, and it's because just it not the high growth. Yeah, and because it hasn't grown, I don't think it has room, to be honest, to really grow in its high growth area. I would consider it to be maybe one dollar sign, barely, uh, you know, a little bit over rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree on that. It is rich, but it's not ultra rich, as you said. All right. So, okay, single dollar sign, rich. That's industry. Let's move on now to incremental user value. So Johnny, I think this one, I have less debate on incremental user value for the shop owners, right? For the people paying with credit cards, for nations that have credit cards, if it's definitely providing me value, right? It it allows me to pay for things and allows me as a business to accept credit cards. And as we say with Yoko, if I'm in a high charge card, high credit card country and I don't have one of these. It, it hurts me as the business. I don't, I lose business. Since the eighties and nineties, the pro- proliferation of not just credit cards, but debit cards. Everyone has a bank card as they call it uh, over in Europe. Right. And you need a way to pay for that. So yes, I would consider it rich tech for sure on this one. I think solidly rich tech two two $2 signs solid. Yes. Yes. Even uh, despite what we were talking about before with all the industry, so many competitors coming in, this is still adding a tremendous amount of value. Would you consider it ultra rich as in it's providing me so much value? I don't, I mean, it's not making, it's not, it's not a bank. It's not making my business possible. Solidly rich. Solidly rich. Yes. Two, two dollar signs, two out of three dollar signs. Finally, let's talk about incremental societal value. So Johnny, for Ingenico, let's do this mental exercise. Let's say we removed all of Ingenico and for sake of argument, Verifone as well from the world today and take a look at what take a look at what happens for incremental societal value we would lose a whole bunch of societal value if we removed the system from the world today because it's not like square and all these other systems are ready to replace it yeah i mean uh them and verifone as we said earlier control 80 percent of the world market in this Uh, that's not something you can easily replace just overnight right and despite the proliferation of, again, mobile payments, 
you're more likely to pay through a POS system when you're going into a store. And that I don't foresee that changing, despite so much of these dynamics and so much um, evolution in this space in the past few years, in the past decade. You know, I don't see uh, I don't see POS systems being under threat anytime soon. So yeah, I definitely say it is definitely rich for society, greatly rich. I would say this one's greatly rich for society. Society has been tremendously benefited from this. Yep, and, and continues, still continues to benefit continues to. Exactly, continues to today. And and I think uh, just to wrap this up, I think the proof that you know the squares in the world and the, all these other companies coming after this just shows the impact on society that this technology has. That others are w- wanting to come in and create a, 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 a competing offering for it mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. absolutely all right let's take a look at uh the final uh, the final tally so we have industry somewhat rich you know single star rich we have incremental user value two dollar signs out of three rich and finally incremental societal uh, value three full dollar signs out of three in terms of the rich exactly we have uh we have an increasing kind of ramp up here of richness so johnny i think in genico without a doubt rich tech company absolutely but johnny but it's rich tech however will it stay that way in the future what do we think about the future of this company johnny so this is what i observed looking at the breakdown of ingenico versus verifone i don't know why i want to say verizon but 34% in Europe and Africa, 22% Asia and Middle East is in Genico. To me, Genico feels so ingrained in at least mostly Europe, right? That's their biggest market. Um, and Europe's not going to go away anytime soon. I don't think it has room to grow. I know they're talking about competing in South America. Yes, that's a potential growth vector. But where are we seeing all the innovation? e-payments, peer-to-peer payments, digital wallets, digital currencies, moving away from the from the direct payment services. Where's the growth? E-payments. Where are they? Physical payments. They, in theory, have a limit. And like we said, that's decreasing as more local competition comes into, comes into line. Whereas where they could, where they are increasing in potential, because e-payments, in theory, is an infinitely growable uh, what was about to say, uh, system. They're not growing there. So I actually think that they are going to become limited. It makes sense to me that Worldline and these other financial large institutions are buying these up because I don't think that on their own, they have much of a long-term future. Well, we went through this, right? That, that Their acquisitions or even Worldline's acquisition, you look at their history, it's just been a, ser- a series of acquisitions. And now I think there's like four companies that are the um, payments uh, service providers in Europe, at least. So in Europe, it seems like they're ingrained and that's going to continue, right? But outside of Europe, right, where there is a potential for growth, right? We said they're what, like basically them and for a phone are 10% roughly, uh, um, averaging the two numbers in, in South America and, you know, somewhere between 10, 20% in Asia, uh, Pacific and Middle East, right? Um, there is opportunity for growth, but I think that growth is going to come from the mobile 
driven side of it, right? The stuff that we and peer to peer and e payments and exactly and all exactly, that kind of right. Stuff. Yes, we we've seen that in Africa. We did see that in a little bit in the MENA region that we just covered. We are definitely seeing it in uh, Latin America region. And so the areas of the potential areas where Ingenico could grow are going to grow in the other way, right? Where people have mobile phones and it's easier to just pay people uh, directly versus having this intermediary POS, right? They're not going to become card-based societies. Yeah, and we saw this with Visa and MasterCard when we covered credit in general. It's not clear that charging credit cards are the future of uh, or the ubiquitous payment solution of the future. No, I don't think, yes. These companies, as dominant as they are now, and it was based even on the, the rating result of them being, uh, of Ingenico being a rich company, they're a company of a different era, right? The time that they were created was when uh, developed countries were going from, uh, or moving towards more of a cashless society with the advent of cards, bank cards, credit cards, but you needed a POS system to go with that. In today's world, you don't need a credit card, actually, you don't even need a debit card, you just need a mobile phone, right? And you can have a digital wallet, right? And that could be extended to having a credit card on your digital wallet, right? And that's it. That's all you need. And so because it's tied to your mobile phone, you don't necessarily need a POS system, you can pay directly. The places the places where credit cards are still the are credit cards and charge cards or cards in general, because Europe is not even a place where credit cards are that uh, are that prolific. Uh, but where charge cards are the norm, and Genico still has still has need for existence. Exactly. When uh, you, you don't have cards and you have digital but wallets, it, but or even yeah. on the internet, right? Yes. Because while they need charge cards, charge cards don't need them. Correct. The one opportunity I do see for them in Europe is. Has there been, and maybe this requires more research, but I haven't seen a European equivalent to a square. Right? I haven't seen um, a European equivalent to anything. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go, right? So Angenico does have that opportunity where they could be, uh, I'm not saying like quite like Stripe, but we haven't seen anything like Stripe. We haven't seen anything like a PayPal. We haven't seen anything like a square. And so that could be their opportunity in their home market, right? Where they can create this online payments-based system, which they are. It's just, can they grow it enough for it to be a big player and for it to, to, to counteract and balance out their physical uh, store-based uh, business? No, 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 I agree. I agree. And I think as a broader point, when we look at uh, what was about to say, our wrap-up of Europe, we should ask ourselves the question why there is so little innovation going on. But until then, I think this has been another episode of the Silicon Trail podcast. Have a wonderful week and stay safe out there.